Christianity is this word faith. When we take the word faith, I remember when we grew up as young leaders in Pontchartstroom and we were asked if we would help and assist with Bible school and the teaching of that. There was one subject that I always loved and that was the subject of faith. Now remember year after year after year driving through from Clarksdorf to Pontchartstroom to go and teach at the Bible school and, and my, my session always started off in this way because as I was driving and that's what I loved about that period of our lives, growing as leaders, having time to travel to the teaching and then back home with the teaching and then to contemplate and reflect and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart with regards to that. My question was always, when we spoke about faith, my question was, faith in what? Faith in what? To which some of you might say, faith in who? You know, obviously, and, and, I, and, I, and I want to settle that one. We all agree that it's faith in God as the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Faith in the fact that Jesus died and rose again and that he, that he reconciled everything back to himself. Those are the basics to our faith. So that's not the kind of thing that I'm speaking about. When it comes to faith, we go to a beautiful chapter in the book that is the compilation of 66. And the second book of this one writer with the name Peter, he used to be Simon, a fisherman. He's speaking basically to the Jews. Paul was called to the, to the Gentiles, and Peter, as a Jew, speaks to the Jews. So when you read the book of 1 Peter, and you come to the second book of Peter, 2 Peter, in 2 Peter 1, he starts off in a beautiful way. He says, God has given us everything, has given and this is what is important for us to read in that beautiful chapter in the introduction. Has given, past tense. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. To which I would say, pause. Do you feel life? And do you feel godly? No. Why not? See, because there's two natures. There's a fleshly nature and there's a spirit nature. And the fleshly nature would not make you feel godly because the enemy knows exactly how to come at you. And he understands. This is why Silkander, when we go into psychology, psychology in itself is, is good. But if you do not understand psychology from one of two sides, kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, if you do not understand that, psychology in itself can really mess you up. Because there are two inputs to this. And the one input is the kingdom of darkness who, who knows and understands your fleshly dimension better than you. Knows exactly how to trigger you. Knows exactly what lies have been lied to you. Knows exactly what strongholds are still in operation. Knows exactly how to zomel you, as Pastor Roger would always say. The word zomel, I learned from an Englishman. Which I think is an Afrikaans word, zomel. But, and so... When we look at the word faith, what's the essence of faith? The essence of the word faith built into us is trust. Do we trust him? Do we trust that he is who he said he is? Do we trust that he did what he said he did? And do we understand that our lives were called to live for his glory in everything that we do? Do we understand that our baptism into him means I'm dying to self and therefore he is alive in me? 
Do we understand that as church? Because that's why we can constantly teach and preach on faith. What is the essence of faith? There were two trees. There were two trees in the garden. That's what we looked at. So when you go into Genesis, Genesis 2 verse 9 says, And in that garden, the Lord God caused to grow from the ground every tree that is desirable and pleasing to the sight and good, suitable, pleasant for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And of the tree of the experiential knowledge and recognition of the difference between good and evil. Those two trees were placed right in the middle. God told us as humans in the form of Adam and Eve to not eat of only one of those two. Only not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowing that God, as God, is the only one who had the character and the capacity to know of both good and evil, but only be good. Only God. He could have that knowledge. And, 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 the, and the lie that Satan came out, that said, you will be just as him. You will know both good and evil. God knew that you would be just like him, knowing both good and evil. And the saddest portion of that whole story is when you read, and they, be, and they became just like God. Knowing both good from evil and evil. So Satan always tells these half-truths. It was an absolute truth as a half-truth. They did become just like us, knowing both. But the physical full truth was, but, but you do not have the capacity to know what to do with the knowledge of evil. I myself have put my foot in this trap. This is why I asked for the first session on the essence of faith. I asked for it. I myself put my foot in this trap. When we moved down to George, we knew exactly why and how God sent us. We knew exactly what the purpose was. Come and plant a kingdom school, form part of the formation, build in the kingdom way. But over time, what happened was, you know what is evil and you know what is good. And you do what is good. Not recognizing that you are eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not up to us to be good. And therefore what happened was, if we go to the next slide, we see in Genesis 3 verse 24, so God drove the man out, and this was after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was still there. So God drove the man out of the east of the Garden of Eden. He permanently statued, uh, stationed a cherubim with a sword, flashing blade, which turned round and round in every direction to protect and guard the way, the entrance, the access to the tree of life. See, because now they were no longer allowed to eat of the tree of life. Why? Because death became the way that you exit. And the mystery now becomes the mystery. The mystery of redemption, of reconciliation. The scarlet thin red line of redemption, as we call it in teaching. The scarlet thin red line of redemption where an innocent lamb has to be slain so that this price can be paid. And, and, and Jesus immediately lines up the whole lineage all the way through, using sinners as the bloodline murderers, 
prostitutes, all of them in his bloodline, to go through, I will reconcile everything back to my son. And then Jesus comes in, and he teaches us through the beautiful prophet of John, sitting at Patmos with a revelation that he has, where the scarlet thin red line of redemption was lived out. Jesus did exactly what he had to do. Now flesh is done with the cherubims, with the destruction after the flood, obviously, that garden was destroyed. The scarlet thin red line of redemption, the mystery now hidden for ages and generations, comes in the form of Jesus. And here we go into spirit life. So, Revelation 22 verse 14, blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired are those who wash their robes in the blood of Christ by believing and trusting in him, the righteous who do his commandments, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. And so therefore, spirit man. We speak of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, flesh, and the tree of life, spirit. We become spirit in Jesus Christ. That's why he gave his spirit to come and reside in us. The ultimate high priest, as it is in heaven, so it be on earth. He thinks as the head. He thinks we know. He commands. What do we do? Do we obey or do we trust? See, if we... If we obey, and, and obedience is the massive word to church, there's always a disconnect as to what it's supposed to be. Obedience, beautiful word. I love the word. Submission and obedience, to me, falls in the same category. Submission and obedience. But to be totally given over and to trust, that's relationship. To be surrendered and to trust, to me, comes to the ultimate life that we as Christians are supposed to live. Satan knows exactly what to bring against us, to zomal us. Knows exactly how to hit us. But faith, we bring to 2 Peter 1. He has given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So that through his promises we may become partakers of his divine nature. And in that way, we have neglected the fleshly nature, which brings everything to a fall. In verse 4, verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, Therefore, make every effort to prove that these promises have become your reality. So faith in what? Faith in the fact that every single promise has been made, yes and amen. And if I do not feel or sense or see his promises in my life, then I need to make sure that I'm not a disbelieving Christian eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the way that I'm dragged into this world thinking that I'm doing right under the religion of Christianity. We are spirit beings. We can come boldly and confidently into the throne room of God. What's the purpose of our faith? Well, that was the second portion that we did. 
And the second portion was that we should pass it on to the next generation, which in my case was significant because Raymond did that sermon. I remember coming in 10 years ago, and they gave me the title of Praise and Worship Pastor. It didn't exist then, but Dave didn't know what to do with me. So they created the title, Praise and Worship Pastor. I said, I'll be it, but for three months. And, and I'm not going to play guitar. We've done that in Potts of Struam and in Clarksdorp, in the church plant that we did, both Ronella and myself. Our kiddies are on the way. So what I'll do is I'll look for a next leader and raise the next leader. Prayed about it, saw this captain as a pilot, saw that he wasn't intimidated by people in statue. He understood order and went, there's something that God wants to do in and through this into the next generation. Spoke to him and he jumped with a parachute. Left the plane, autopilot came into full-time vocational ministry, and, and he did the sermon, and to pass it on. To make sure that we understand that Christianity should not die with us. If we do this wrong, we'll go to church on Sunday mornings, boring, and, and, and do what? If we do this wrong, we'll have fights on the way to going to church on Sunday mornings. We won't. Why would they want to be Christian if they don't see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Why would they want to be Christian if they can't see Christianity in and through our lives? Why would they want to pray with someone if they don't see us pray over someone else? Why would they want to be friendly? Why would they understand the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if they don't see it over us. Love, joy, peace, the character of God. The first three of the fruit, the character, God is love. The joy of the Lord is my strength and peace I leave with you. The number one promise that church is supposed to live by, peace. That's why during the last year, everyone that spoke to me, I went, do you have peace? No. Well, get in peace. Because all advice will help you do right. And that's not what I want you to do. I don't want you to do right. I want you to understand why it is that he guides you to life. Why? Because if the fleshly nature controls your mind, Romans 8, 6, it leads to death. You'll be anxious. You'll stress and you'll worry. You'll fear. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, it leads to life and peace. Do you feel peace? No. Well, then the Holy Spirit's not leading your mind. Why? Why? It's because Jesus built his church. What do we come back to? We come back to the basics and the fundamentals of why we are that we are. Why do we do this? What are we supposed to be? A life-giving force out there. When we come to the tolls in Sparrow, Pick and Pay or Checkers, the people behind the tolls should want to fight to get us. I just want that person again. Last time when that person gave me word, when that person looked me in the eye, like my day changed. 
People who are standing in front of us or behind us, they must go, oh, that's, that's that person again. I need to be. Why? Because we purchased their baskets for them. We went like, don't you worry, this one's on me. This last week, I had a person look at me and go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what do you mean, what's wrong with me? Why would you buy this for me? Let's say you're beautiful. Let's take that. You're beautiful. That's why. But vote me, Nothing. I just have too much money. I want to spread. <laughs> I want to spread the wealth. When a need, so a seed. Ne? Yeah. That we understand. Listen, I just want to bless you. Are you going to take the blessing or not? Are you going to stand here moaning? Because it makes you less beautiful. And the person just looked at me and laughed and said, it's like, ag, ag, this yay. Let's, let's live by the Spirit. Every promise made, yes and amen. So we pass it on. There are four slides. I want you to go to the, the one with point number one. They lived the gospel because it came to them first. And this is what Raymond unpacked for us. The four points. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. We pass it on. Number two, the gospel transformed their lives continually. That we call progressive righteousness. Positional righteousness is the position that we have in front of him, before him. Just as if we have never sinned, therefore we can come boldly and confidently into the throne room of God. We have full access. The veil was torn. But not only that, we come to a continual, greater understanding of what he died for. Progressive righteousness. And that's where we, at times, miss the mark. We do not see how he, out of love, blesses us with this beautiful word called trouble. Beautiful word, beautiful word. Oh, I just want to help you see that you are not totally dependent on me and that your life is open to the enemy to make you feel that I am not in love with you, that I am not your carer, that I'm not your helper, that I'm not your provider. So I'm going to bless you with trouble. And then James comes and says, dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Let's speak about that fruit of the Holy Spirit again, love. Joy, for the joy of the Lord is our strength, peace. So, let your faith, your faith be tested. Because it builds endurance. And when your endurance has fully been developed, you'll be strong in character, ready for anything. And what God says to us there is, I am more interested in your character than your earthly comfort. Because if in your earthly comfort you find comfort, you are susceptible to idols. I need to help you see that you are not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is not comparable to happiness. Happiness are determined by circumstances. Joy, under whatever circumstance. I'm flooded with joy, for the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I know that he is who he is, and therefore I don't have to worry about what I see. 
Because his promises are yes and amen, and he will make this work out for the best for those who love him. So that's what I love about knowing and understanding him as scripture, as word. Point number three there was the gospel was lived out on display for all to see. Verse 8 there says, The Lord's message rang out for, from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not say anything about it. And point number four there was the gospel placed them in relationship with God. Verse number 9 and 10. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. Then we went to the next one, and this the teacher came and taught, which was my ex-business partner and the metallurgist, Rudy Stein. <laughs> when this accident happened, when my finger was, and you see the miracle in the happening now. I said, you know, when we go into miracles, my finger will be back. And so there's my finger. It's growing back. And so when this finger was chopped off, and, 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 and Rudy was the reason, <laughs> when, when, when I saw his face, you know, and we, we both realized, we're doing, you know, this just happened. And I looked at how painful it was. We've been friends for 23 years. I know him so well. When I saw his face, and I, and, and I thought to myself, what must it feel like to know that you are the responsible person for this? To know that you just hurt someone. What must it feel like? So I went to him, I said, Rudy, listen, it's my fault. I am the mechanical engineer. You are just a metallurgist. You, you just know how to extract gold. You're just a chemical engineer. You can analyze the blood and everything, but I was supposed to see the mechanics of that thing. So you're not guilty. So when he came up and made jokes, you can go and tell him, I'm back. <laughs> he just said the next day, he said, I can't even get You know what my favorite joke was with Rudy? He said, you know, some people, um, some people are trying so hard in life, and then others, they come out on top. With him having no hair, he came out on top. So Rudy came in, he said, so faith, the essence of faith, what is faith? We have to pass it on. We must make sure that we understand that it's not going to stop with our generation, and it shouldn't. How do you view kids' ministry as church? How do you view it? Do, do you view kids' ministry as where we keep them busy while the churut means, you know? How do you view kids' ministry? Do you understand how it feels and what it feels like that year after year after year when you see the kids that used to be this size when they came in? And all of a sudden, they become men. I remember how kids' ministry to your booty noch Look at what kids' ministry does. It becomes youth ministry. 
young working adults. It becomes part of what we do. We see the generations being raised in front of us. We call it out of them and we go, look, do you know who you are? As the next generation, do you know? Do you know what, he, what he's done for you and what he wants to do through you? Do you understand the leadership responsibility on your shoulders? None. Because he is. Can we introduce you to him? Can we show him to you so that you would also want to have him? That is church. It's diligent, it's patient, and it's constant. Day in and day out. It does not live for the next revelation because everything has been revealed through the Spirit of Jesus. So what do we do? We seek more to become more like him. So the teacher came in, and he read Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And do not stop there, he says. I said he said that. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching forms part of being church. So the essence of our faith is he is who he said he is. He has done what he said he has done, and he deserves the glory. That's why we do what we do. There are two trees. It's not up to us to do good against evil. That's religion. And it's the easiest trap to think that you are doing good. Because you have the knowledge of both good and evil. And it's the number one trap against church. People thinking that they are doing good. Obviously choosing against evil. But not being in the spirit. And when you ask, do you have peace? Do you have peace? Do you have peace over your future? Do you have peace of today? Do you have peace that he is still busy with you? Do you have peace that, that, that he will make everything work out for the good? Do you have that peace, if not in the flesh? Teach them to obey his commandments. Teach and train is part of what we have to do. And then the beauty of continually build up patterns and habits of holiness. There is no shortcut to growth. Not one single baby has ever, ever been born mature. That's why in Kingdom School we constantly teach when it comes to character and character growth to understand when we disciple, where do someone fall? Where do they fall? Is it a brethos, a napios, a technon, a huios, neoniscos, parta? Where do we fall? Scripture makes it known. There's levels to maturity, so we need to understand that. Is it a baby, a toddler, a teenager in their teens? Always willing to help, but never pitching. <laughs> we need helpers for next Saturday morning. Can we have volunteers? <gasps> next Saturday morning, the three of us stood there. Well, that's what happens to understand. That's the way it happens. 
So then go in and speak about responsibility. And if you raise your hand, then pitch. Speak about salt. Send them the message of Pastor Rice Brooks on availability. <laughs> if you want to be a leader, then teach them salt. So, today, we are switching. And this is going to be a quick one. But it's a supernatural life of faith. A supernatural life of faith. And this is what we are heading towards. The reason I want to lay this is not an end to a series of faith. This is the foundation of what we are entering now. We're about to move into a year where we are expecting the miraculous. Globally, we're going to stand for this. Globally. We're going to trust for the miraculous. This is laying the foundation. This is not ending. This is us saying to ourselves, what is it that we need to constantly make sure? If we go back to the two trees, we see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Are we eating of the tree of life daily? His name is Jesus. Are we focusing on flesh or on spirit? Because we've been called to a supernatural life. I'm going to read you one scripture. It's from the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to take verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through to 18. And what I want you to see in these scriptures is that it's going to speak towards the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel as the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. I want you to realize that anyone and every person that lives in this era, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is still that. Is still that. It's still dead religion. We are only living in the New Testament if we believe the New Testament. And Testament is covenant. And covenant of what? Covenant of peace. That's the new covenant. It's the covenant of peace. Therefore, I say, do you have peace? Are you stressing about the year of 2023? Are you stressing or worried about the day of tomorrow? Are you anxious about anything? It's not because Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, for prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. For prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Why with thanksgiving? Because you know that he is who he said he is. He has done what he said he has done, and he deserves the glory. So let him tell the story. It's a test. Muni moni. Testimony. <laughs> Only in South Africa will people get that joke. There's a test. Muni moni. Testimony. Allow him to tell his story. Allow him to be God. Allow him. Trust him. Surrender. Since we have such a glorious hope and confident expectation, we seek with great courage and we are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites would not gaze at the end of the glory which was fading away. But, in fact, their minds were hardened, for they had lost the ability to understand. 
For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed only in Christ, the tree of life. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil of blindness lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation. And for those who do not know that name, that is the process of being loosened from a legality, from bondage, true freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And therefore, the essence of faith, passing on of faith, the teaching others in the supernatural life of faith. Why? Because miracles are what we're going to be living by. He will make himself known if we surrender and trust. So, Abba Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that you will take this word and that through this word you will make yourself known in deeper levels so that we, as in a mirror, may grow from one degree of glory to another. We honor you for your word. Jesus, we honor you as the spirit of freedom in our midst, the comforter, the healer, the helper, the counselor. Thank you for building your own church, Jesus. Thank you that it's not our responsibility. Thank you that you have asked us to love and to do that well, to love others as we love ourselves so that the love of God that he has for this world may be made known. Lord, we pray your peace over every single person that is here, that we recognize that peace is not found. It's chosen. Help us choose to trust you. Choose to surrender our free will of always wanting to understand before we will trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He will direct your path. Peace, I speak over you in the name of Jesus Christ who has been resurrected and who has sent his spirit to live in us. Amen. Amen. Thank you everyone for being